Support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services, and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeasts and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability, and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, we brew with you, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Lau Brew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing Co. UK. Lau Brew Verdant IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them on social media or visit www.lalamandbrewing.com. Life has a funny way of working out, even if you weren't sure what you were looking for in the first place. For Miranda Hudson and her husband Bates, a chance encounter at a wedding a decade ago would eventually lead them to up sticks, start a new life in the country, and open Duration Brewing, a farmhouse brewery making beers that belong. Hello, and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. And I'm Ross McPherson. Duration Brewing secured planning consent to put their brewery on a scheduled monument site in a grade two building back in September 2017. Early on, they worked with partners such as Manchester's Cloudwater and Oslo's Admonson to produce beers nomadically. That's in addition to an array of collaborations with UK breweries including Dea, Verdant and Burning Sky. But fast forward and the Norfolk Brewery would cap a successful 2021 with a sleuth of awards. This included being recognised with two of the highest accolades in UK brewing, being named Best New Brewery and also for Best New Beer for their flagship American Pale Ale, Turtles All The Way Down, at our own Brewer's Choice Awards. Collecting those awards marked the start of a busy few days for the Duration Duo, with co-founder Bates stepping away from the brew kit to deliver one of the opening talks at our annual Brewers' Congress. A rare public speaker, Bates gave an impassioned and rousing talk on how in building the business, he has worked in structures and processes to make beers that belong with a deep respect of their impact. As well as discussing circular waste practices, he also talked of his ambition to not grow exponentially and perhaps instead do less with more to stay creative while also putting mechanisms in place to allow for owner operators with staff equity. And today we're showing that very talk as this week's Brewers Journal podcast. We've also included Bates's accompanying presentation as a link on the episode page if you'd like to read along as you listen, of course. I hope you enjoy it. I am Bates. I'm a co-founder and head brewer, mostly clean tanks. Um, at Duration, we're based in rural West Norfolk, so about two hours of here, uh, north of here. I'm pretty quiet. I like listening to music. I like reading. And 
really, really enjoy eating and cooking. As well as all of that, being into music, reading, really big into philosophy. But probably my proudest moment is being a father to my daughter, Mila. I'm going to try not to cry, but <laughs> I'm kind of an emotional guy, so we'll see how it goes. She's nine, and she's my inspiration. So today, we're going to talk about leaving a legacy, but leaving no trace. So Mila, as I've already spoken about, she's got a head full of imagination, loves to explore, loves doing things. She loves creating, and the act of being is really strong in her, and it's strong in kids, and in my view, that's a great way to live. I've worked in brew pubs, kitchens, restaurants, breweries, basically my entire life. I need to be creating, and it also means I'm pretty much unemployable otherwise, but you know, it's what I love, and it's where my passion lays. The little guy in the corner, he's a little black lab named Bourdain. He came into our life last year. Um, he's a big inspiration to me because he loves walking around, seeing the trees, the big skies of Norfolk, and one of my favorite things to do. So if y'all are <clears throat> coming here for listening about beer, probably not going to on this talk. Um, but being in nature really grounds me. I love walking with Bourdain. I love seeing the barley fields that surround us. Um, if you get barley here in the UK, in the States, pretty much anywhere, it's pretty much grown around us up there. But I love doing things simply, and it's the basis for basically best inventions, in my view, if you walk around and you get inspiration. Calvin and Hobbes was a book I loved when I was little, and they summed it up best. There's never enough time to do all to nothing you want. Um, I'm pretty reserved socially, not being into crowds or people, so they sit in my wheelhouse, if you can't notice. I like solitude, and Norfolk gives me a lot of space to really find that and lets me go at my own pace. So the founders. Like many introverts, I do find myself in a social setting. A uh, beer or a bourbon kind of helps me socially lubricate. Um, so I wish I had one of those right now. <laughs> Um, but Miranda and my partner in business and in life, she's basically the one that, you know, does this really well, and she compliments me, and we both sort of play our parts. She's ever happy to host and be our sort of front man leading the band and everything, but we both play to our strengths and have a brilliant team around us, and that really works for us. So thanks to Tim and everybody that's had us here. Um, Melissa for hosting, all the other brewers, good to get to hang out with you. That hadn't happened in quite some time. And thanks for inviting me to talk, but maybe not thanks so much. <laughs> um, so it's really good to look out and see all of the other people that we haven't seen in a couple of years. And big thanks for all of those other people that maybe aren't brewers, um, but keep the wheels turning in beer from our distros to our wholesalers to our bottle shop owners and the drinkers. Thank you. Um, I'm excited to listen to all of these talks today because uh, I much prefer to be listening than talking. Um, but I remember sitting in this audience just a couple of years ago and duration was basically a little dream. It was out there in the distance. It 
seemed a little far-fetched and a little crazy. But me and Miranda, you know, we made it happen and we got through it. So I guess every single person in this room probably has loads of projects and ideas in their head. And I'm just simply here to say with our talk today is don't give up on those dreams. Uh, chase them, no matter how far-fetched they may be. Take those seeds, those things that make your heart sing, believe in them, plant them, find good ground, good light, water them, and pull out the weeds to help them grow, as Greg put there. Uh, nurture them and turn those dreams into reality. Because if you don't, you know, why else are we here? Take those crazy chances. So our company and location. Uh, duration, for those that don't know, as I said, is a farmhouse brewery in a small little village called Westacre. It's surrounded by sleepy little towns, sleepy little villages, and ancient woodlands, and a lot of farming. Uh, that's our sort of wheelhouse mainstay up there. As I said, a lot of the barley comes from there. Our brewery is a historic site uh, on the Westacre Priory. It took a year to design and a further year to build. We completed the project and it was about the tail end of 2019, um, so just two years ago, three months before pandemic, wouldn't advise that <laughs> before opening a company. Um, after renovating this uh, big dilapidated 16th century building, uh, which we even have a little graffiti and everything that you can see people sign like 1672 and all sorts of crazy things in there. Uh, we installed a 20 heck Browcon three vessel and a Cody canning line. On the clean side, we've got five FVs, a couple more coming. And uh, this little uh, joke with uh, Anthony Gormley, he's one of our neighbors randomly. He took like 18 months to uh, do all of his design work at the Royal Academy and, you know, I kind of joked with him over a beer and cooking out. It's like, you know, that isn't that long, you know, what took you so long? Come on. Uh, we took like three years. So, uh, but in the barrel store, we've got a 20 hex stainless packaging tank, three 17 hectoliter fooders, and a 44 hectoliter cool ship, um, as well as a bottling line. The cool ship we have split into two so we can do some open ferments and basically make it pay its way when it's not cool ship season so we can use it as a fermenter. So during the past 18 months, much like everybody else, we've had to adapt and find a way going. So we had a little tap room and an outdoor big open space uh, where normally our barrels and our fooders would sit. We've put tables and we have people and welcome them there. Uh, it's only about a 90 minute train ride from London. So if y'all wanted to come up, it's real easy to get to. Just take a little 20 minute cab ride out from the train station. Love to see you there. So it does kind of take a bit to get there, but we're immensely grateful for everybody that comes. So we have Thanksgiving as our brewery's birthday and we've just had our second birthday. We've been around a fair bit longer than that uh, since it was such a long build and everything. We took the time, worked with friends that were gracious to have us. A lot of them we see here, uh, double barrel standing over there. Uh, they were one of our first, uh, but that was really great to get our name out there while we were going through such a long building work. And 
we even had the ability to do some nomadic beers with uh, Cloudwater and Amundsen and Oslo, so we could start putting our name out there, getting the beers out. Me personally, as I said before, I've been in beer and food pretty much all my life over here as well as in the States. I know it's hard to tell from my accent. I'm not originally from here. <laughs> but we were supposed to have a little video here to give a little idea, but I think we're having trouble to get it to load. So just imagine a video scene of all sorts of dreamy like farm and barley fields and whatnot. But uh, you can find that on our website as well. So if you look at durationbeer.com, it's a plug. Um, so what do we make? Today, I just wanted to talk about the how and the why of duration. But to get to those bits, I need to start with the what. What do we do? Well, we enjoy making beer, heritage styles, but putting our sort of riff on things. We brew a diverse range of fresh pails and pilsners, uh, fresh saisons, but along with some of our slower sort of stuff, wild, spontaneous, and mixed fermentations. Uh, we've got a few of those out now, but as anybody that's in brewing knows, those take quite a little while, so we're only two years in, we'll get there. So keeping beer diverse is collective, conscious, and a concerted effort, both in the glass and those working behind the scenes to broaden and build the industry. And we like to thank you and keep at it. However niche or mainstream each individual brewery is, a collective as a whole, we need to keep a love of the myriad of beer styles alive. After all, so many of the everyday moments and milestones are what make beer great to us. And if you're gonna have a beer, well, hell, you ought to make it a good one. So, I'm not here to follow trends. It's not really my thing. Um, it's not really in our business model. I'm aware loads of companies make all banners of beers, and you know, that's cool for them, but we kind of do our own thing, and it's quiet, and it's a bit of a niche. Social media keeping us so close to our audiences nowadays, and opinions, we're always being told to shut up, play the hits, and you know, I try not to listen to that. I wanna make simple stouts, rosettes, really beautiful pilsners and lagers. And at the craft end of things, we'll always have fan favorites that come and go with changing trends. So executing the classics and the traditional things are important. I love experimentation, but before deviating into those sorts of things, I really want to nail down those classics, uh, the walk before you run sort of thing with it. Uh, I trained under a German-American guy, and we made a lot of West Coast, made a lot of lager, hell of a lot of lager. So that's still one of my favorite things to make, and that's influenced my taste and what we're aiming to do at Duration. So on top of those fresh beers, I also love making experimental styles like mixed fermentations, fooder aging, barrel aging, open ferments, spontaneous, that sort of stuff. And I feel like that that's kind of the last frontier because as you get into brewing, you keep dialing in, dialing in, dialing in, and then sometimes it's fun just to let the reins off and see where it goes. So this gets into how we operate and the leaving a legacy and no trace. Leaving no trace is the how for duration. Uh, we wanted to integrate and not jar against the agricultural land that's around us. 
We make beers that belong, kind of one of our taglines. Uh, we respect where we're at and we have to respect where we're at because we're so remote and there's so much uh, like protected river, protected lands, we're in a 16th century barn. But also as individuals, Miranda and I are concerned about the environment and what we'll pass on to the next generation. We wish to exist through making good beer with good people in a way that represents where we are. It's a line we use often. A big part of that respect is a sense of belonging to our region and that belonging is, I believe, what makes us a true farmhouse brewery. We want to brew in the seasons. We want to understand what's around us. Uh, we have agricultural ingredients. So we see the ebb and the flow. We see how scarce things are, and we have to deal with that every day as we see the seasons change. Duration, amongst other meanings, is the time which something exists. I can see that in the tempo of our bears being fast or slow and waiting on things with the patience to evolve. And whether that be our loggers that take nine weeks, our pale ales that might take three or four, or some of our mixed fermentation and wood age stuff that is ready at its own pace. At the heart of starting the brewery, we wanted to create something with the permanence that would outlast us. We're rural and we wanted to be out of the sort of city mindset. We want to look at what's around us and be more in harmony and symbiosis for us to flourish. In practice, our first two years has been no easy task and we've had to make tweaks and adjustments to make it work with the Environment Agency to ensure the best practices are being met with our affluent waste treatment. We're striving to be a better company and it will take continual effort and a lifetime of continual adjustment, but it's a very long path and that's the one that we chose to take and to us that's the only way. You have to respect what's around you. Something simple as a daily dog walk keeps me in step with where I am. I love seeing the grandeur of a big oak, veteran, limbs fallen. We even put one of those fallen limbs into a beer. If anybody had log beer, it was a trend. It's pretty cool. Um, but things like that, seeing the acorns fall, building up those massive oaks, running into a deer on the way home, and you have nothing but that's a cool interaction. You basically take a picture with your mind uh, where people are often whipping out the cell phone and taking pictures of everything now. I'm more of the akin to, you know, it's in my mind's eye and keep it there. So all of those sorts of things like the veteran oak and the life cycles will outlive us all. And I'd like to elaborate on the approach of leaving no trace. We try to see everything as energy that is held or energy that is spent, whether it's in the fields, whether it's in our byproducts, whether it's uh, base ingredients. We look to have those things in a circular waste principle. So in using byproducts, the ingredients, they come and go with the season. Uh, often people forget that beer is an agricultural product. It's hops, it's grain. Those are things that grow, they're changing year to year. We have to deal with that, but it's good to see it and it's good to have your hands in it and actually see it. Ingredients such as spent pomace from a vintner that we have locally that goes into fooders, edible flowers that we have from a nursery near us. All of those things hold value for us. But then even the byproducts, 
that would normally go to a landfill, at best a compost sort of heap, those also hold value to us and great potential. So what flows from our brewery, grains, the hop, the yeast, is energy for others. So many companies, I believe, kind of just out of sight, out of mind, drop the hops down the uh, drain in the brew house, the grain off in the landfill. I get a lot of inspiration from Sierra Nevada because they really started looking this in the 80s of trying to be as circular as they could with everything. We prevent a lot of our waste from becoming waste. Our grain, we send to a Wagyu beef herd as well as pigs. Um, our hops, we actually can take out of FE, out of the hot side brewing, and that goes into a trailer that we keep it and it goes to compost for a blueberry farmer. Um, as well as the yeast that we reuse, pitching beer to beer, that yeast we also take and it can go to helping uh, drop sort of the alkalinity of the soil with a lot of farmers that we have because we have really hard uh, calcium rich soil there. It works well where we're at with that slow approach to food and farming. So the innovative and pioneering to think slow in food and farming, we can do a lot more of course, but currently we're supporting all of those things that I said before with the Wagyu herd, blueberry producer, and we even now have uh, rewilding on the farm. So if you're not familiar with that, that's basically giving the land back and introducing native species. Uh, things like we have Iron Age pigs, we have wild ponies, uh, we even have a herd of wild cattle that there's no intervention with them, there's no birthing the cattle or anything like that. They just work in tandem with the land. So this sort of thing is much better to us than just the feel-good factor of an environmental impact because of where we are. So all of that being said, you create a lot of waste as a brewery. We actually have to run our own wastewater treatment plant for our own affluence. And let me tell you, that's a pain in the ass. And I'm no wastewater technician, so I've had to learn a lot over the past two years with it. So we pass all of the wastewater through a plant. So it's called a membrane bioreactor. That membrane bioreactor has a pH settling. Then it's got a large tank that basically works like a huge stomach that breaks down chemicals, any little bit of carbon matter that makes it through, although we side stream as much as we can. And then it goes to a final vessel, which is a nano filtration. And that gets filtrated out, and then we have to put it through a soakway out to the river. Uh, but we also use all of our reject water from the brew house. Since we have such hard water, we strip it down with a uh, capacitative deionization. And all of that reject water is still perfectly clean, so we use that for gray water, for cleaning floors, uh, scrubbing, whatever. Uh, so try to think of it as the Lorax, you know, once all of these natural resources are gone, it's hard to face, but they're not coming back, and we're going to have water shortages, we're going to have like grain and barley uh, shortages, and it's best to try to use it as much as we can. So as I was saying, we clean our inbound water, we pull out the carbonates, but that water is still perfectly usable, and we use that as gray water to clean. Um, the outbound water, is what I was talking about earlier, uh, is the membrane bioreactor. Uh, it's 
a lot of work, but we think it's quite worth it for us. Uh, we were kind of forced into it. Uh, but in the end, I think more and more breweries are going to have to sort of adopt that sort of thing of being able to reuse water, clean their own effluents, and all those sorts of things. So on the brew side of things, we also worked in efficiencies. Uh, as I mentioned before, we have a Browcon brew house uh, that uses a mash boil kettle. So as we mash, we heat up the mash tun, move to louder, but that kettle is still hot so we can move back into there to boil. So we're trying to use less uh, steam and energy to do that. So leaving no trace is the how of what we do and something I feel we should be working towards. But I'm not an expert and I'm continually learning. As they say, every day is school day. And I want to do all that I can to make sure it's a conscientious company leaving as little impact on our surroundings as possible. So on to the why. So the why is the legacy, what we want to leave behind. Um, often people don't think about legacy that much in brewing. It's kind of the new, hot the trend. Uh, but we as a company, as human beings, we're just a blip in time. And what we choose to do or choose not to do will ripple through time. And hopefully leaving a positive impact from those who will come after us. Uh, I like the saying of keeping one foot in the past while keeping one eye to the future. See where you're going. I want duration to try to advance beer and keep things new. I won't lie to you, as I said before, I love the traditional sort of beers. I love the time, the aging of a well-made lager. Uh, I love the slow time that it takes to do these mixed fermentations and barrel aging and fooder aging. And I love IPAs with their diversity of whether you're hazy hophead or you like the sort of bitter west coast like we make and I enjoy. But experimentation needs not to pervert something to the point it breaks. I'm certainly not in the camp of any wacky adjuncts or anything like that, so don't expect any like sort of donut sour stouts and things like that coming from us. But to each their own, uh, we have to have that diversity and you know that's great that we have other people to do it, but I'll leave it to them. If you want Pilsners in the west coast, I'm the guy for you. So, as I said, I'm not uh, telling anybody what to do and what to brew, because if you have imagination, do your thing, put it out there, make some wacky shit, it's great. Uh, but in doing all of this, we basically have a self-imposed sort of thing. It's a saying I've always liked, which is called strong opinions held lightly. It's also the name of one of our beers. It's a framework to govern how you think in times of crisis or self-doubt. So to go a little further with it, first, in strong opinions held lightly, you need to be resolute. You need to believe in what you're thinking, you're saying, what you're doing. You need to have conviction with that. But at the same time, don't ever be so stubborn and hard-headed that you don't listen to outside factors, whether that be people that work for you, people that work with you, or to somebody giving you good advice. Be able to bend. Uh, I think as Bruce Lee says, it's be water. So be able to move. Uh, Miranda and I were drawn to being confident, resolute people, and we want to be active and contributing citizens to everyone around us. We're self-governed, but we very much allow people like yourselves and all of our friends and family to kind of help steer us and shape us. 
So if you asked our team members or anybody that supports duration what it means, you'd probably get a different answer from each one. We mean different things to different people. I'm okay with that. It takes kind of uh, different opinions and different thoughts to really make something, but we always just try to stand for something, and that something is we're always trying to leave this legacy, treat people correctly, uh, whether that be our staff or whether that be people in the beer world or beyond. I don't expect my daughter, Mila, probably to want to go into brewing because she spends a lot of time at the brewery right now, and uh, I encourage her to uh, do something else, but if she wants to come back, I'd love that. Uh, and we don't have the ego to be the largest or the trendiest sort of thing, quite opposite. Um, I'm happy to be obscure niche and appreciated by a few. We basically make quiet beers for thought and introspection and we try to make them well. When we formed the company and brought in a small shareholding, we set out articles of association and our shareholders agreement to assure that myself and Miranda could always hold the majority of the company and things that suited our values for taking care of the people. We even had clauses that were written from the beginning to enable staff equity and a few months we'll actually pass a motion to give off our first bit of equity to our operations director so he'll be the first owner operator outside of myself and Miranda actually own part of the company as well as our hourly employees or um, I wouldn't say like lower downs but people that are learning the sort of ropes but they're staying with us we have an intention to have them as kind of an equity scheme within the company. I think that's very important to lay out your company like that from the get-go because uh, it's well and good to have those intentions to do later but if you don't do it from the start it's a lot harder to put it into place. So Miranda and myself went into this venture all in. Wherever possible now and in the future we'll strive to steer ourselves from a strategic partnership or kind of a buyout. I know that's getting tougher and tougher as smaller companies and everything. Uh, it's been a hell of a run for the past two years, but it is our intention that we want to pass down to our employees, um, perhaps my daughter, or hell, if we get to it at the end of 20, 25 years and it's been a good run and close up shop, there's no shame in that. Uh, it was fun and we enjoyed it. So. It's basically we want to make our beers in an environmentally conscious way and the why is to build something we're proud of that encapsulates what our hearts and minds and outlasts us long after we're gone. Duration by extension is a founder-led company and we try to extol our values as open and receptive to the world. All are welcome. We hope Duration will become its own entity and more than the sum of its parts and those that believe in Duration will have equity into continuing the company. We'll do this by basically what our tagline and what we always say is we want to make beers that belong to a place and time whenever possible, making good beer with good people in a way that respects where we are. Thank <laughs>
Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision is by John Young. And the executive producer is Rory Harris. And a special thanks to Miranda and Bates of Duration Brewing. <laughs>